Welcome to Off Trail with Erie Metro Parks, and today's episode is all about positive things that happened in nature in 2020. Woohoo! I'm so excited. 2020 was not all bad. It wasn't. And you guys are going to be surprised at how awesome it truly was for the earth, which I'm super excited about. Oh, I'm sure it was fantastic. I mean, we'll start off with number one. (laughs) For two weeks, in, in segmented sections throughout the earth, like the earth got a break. Yeah. Like, yeah, it got a chance to like, like if you've ever played in a sport or Cheryl's days of marathoning when at Margareta, I'll never forget those days. Oh, yeah. Um, like you get that like few minutes of a breather and you're like, whoo, oh man, that was good. Like, I feel like the earth got to like, just like sit down for a few minutes and just be like, oh man, yeah. that was rough. Right. Yeah. 2000 years. 2000 plus years. <laughs> 2000 years break. for a two week break. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so obviously we know that that happened because a lot of people were, um, you know, we had a mandatory, you know, shutdown quarantine. Mm-hmm. Um, and that actually was good for the earth. A lot of carbon emission got cut down a lot, especially in places that use them a lot. For example, um, China was one. So there were some sections of China where people for the first time in their life got to see the clear sky with no smog. Wow. Like, I remember when that happened and we, like, I came in and told you guys and like, we were all like, I was just like, could you imagine never like living in a city and never seeing the clear sky? No. Like, that's wild. Like that just one shows you how much (laughs) we're overdoing things. And I know, you know, factories have to run, cars have to move to get people places, but Mm -hmm. there's gotta be a point where it's too much. And I think we, we showed that that was kind of happening this year. Um, So that's just one little thing. Um, One other thing is more people got outdoors this year than ever before. Yes. I believe it. I believe it. Like since the age of technology is what I truly meant. Um, Not, obviously before when it was more required for your life to be outside. But, you know, people got tired of social media at some points and they got tired of looking at the TV. Mm -hmm. Uh, They didn't have things to do for two weeks. So they went outside. Um, We were fortunate enough here um, in America and Ohio that the, the shut, the shutdown was like right as spring was starting. So it was still a little chilly and it wasn't a complete, misery of a mess cold wintry mm-hmm. um it was a little chilly at some points but we managed to have decent weather um and yeah i don't remember it being like a gross spring like me either. like uber muddy or it, like i feel like it it sprung well it did. <laughs> spring sprung great yeah <laughs> say that five times fast. Spring sprung great. <laughs> so those were positive things um and then i basically scoured the internet for positive things in nature that happened um obviously um first i'll talk about some of the things we've done here at the park um just to like toot our horn a little bit Mm -hmm. toot toot Toot, toot. Um, so we've reached more people um obviously we went virtual and we reach more people than we ever have which which and that continues to grow which surprises me and we're very thankful for everybody who tunes into our stuff it's because of you So I love the air horn. That's my favorite button. Uh, (laughs) So all of these things, like obviously that we've done going virtual, you know, 
um, especially with like virtual nature camp. That was where I, I think I really got my eyes opened up because yeah. I didn't know how cutthroat it was for to get those spots for parents to get their kids into nature camp. So yeah. people get kind of bummed out when they can't get a spot for their kid for our nature camps. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people were able to see um, what we do. And hopefully in the future we'll come um, back, whether we're virtual or um, in person, either way. Um, because I had a great time doing those. Um, even though we had our bumps and bruises throughout that whole process, mm -hmm. that was great. Yeah, because that was like when we first like really got started into virtual, anything virtual. So we, we were still like flying by the seats of our pants and yeah. we had no yeah. idea how to edit and <laughs> we're putting out oh, <laughs> daily videos. No and But it worked out. I mean, I feel like everybody who did nature camp thought it was fantastic and it was great being able to interact with people even though we couldn't interact with them right. in person yeah. and I, I think we i think it you know we we look at the parts where we're like oh man that was tough or like uh, but we all learned something like more than we cared to we all learned a lot of new things yeah, um and i had mentioned this earlier i feel like some of my natural skills lacked a little bit but i'm not like i mean there are points where i get frustrated but i'm not disappointed at all um, in terms of what I've been, the skills that I've been able to pick up and learn, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm impressed. I impressed myself when yeah. I say that I got frustrated a few be. times and I know <laughs> it showed a couple of times. I, I mean, I did, I did get frustrated. I got frustrated the other day over that blurry video. Yeah. Uh, but you know, we've, we've all had to adapt and we've, I think we've done a great job. So yeah, we I 100% agree. You yes. guys have done fantastic during it's, COVID because it's not just as us, you too. As naturalists, <laughs> we, we're not designed to sit at computers. We're not designed to like plan ahead. <laughs> <laughs> right. You can't, you can't plan nature. You can't plan what you're going to find out on a hike. And that's part of the beauty of being able to do in-person programming. It's because you, you never know what you're going to find. So you can say you're going to talk about woodcocks, but then, you know, you find a river otter or something. <laughs> Who cares about woodcocks anymore? Sorry, like, there wasn't any bird. <laughs> <laughs> so. so it is definitely, it's, it's different. It's very different. It's a great skill set that we have developed and continue to develop. And I think it's fantastic. Yeah. We did some other cool programs. We did the great pumpkin hunt. Cheryl's 50 mile challenge was a killer. Mm -hmm. We did all kinds of great programs and this sweet podcast. Not, I'm tooting another horn today, <laughs> <laughs> um, but so all these things have been great. But like I said, um, one thing that I was wildly grateful for this year, how much I was able to document the things that I saw. Yeah. And I was so happy to do that. Like, I think it was like 308 species of moths, uh, 62 spiders. I don't know the other numbers, but there's a lot of other insects and fungus that. and all kinds of stuff yeah. that I was able to do and like super thankful for it. And I know it helps the natural resource department know what's there, um, especially because we found some endangered ones in a few parks, which is yeah. uh, the moths, which is awesome. So there's all kinds of great stuff. Which, and that's something we never would have been able to do. Oh, before. absolutely not. Like, Ever. Especially like, in the summer months. It's just. Yeah. 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 Because we're always like flying. Like if, if we're not doing outdoor rec, we're doing camp. If yeah. we're not doing that, we're doing the fair. Regular if, programs. Yeah. Regular programming yeah. that people were requesting for. Archery. It's just one thing after the other in the summertime. We're constantly moving. So, Which is super fun. But it also, I, we also lack in the the being able to ID things like 
Right. Yeah. It it's always a give and take and yeah. We don't say no to people, so right. <laughs> Collectively as a group we don't say no. Right. It's I think this has also made us say no more often and better. Yeah. I think. <laughs> All right. So that transitions us really easily into some of the things that have happened throughout the world in 2020. A lot of these things are going to make Mel be super duper, duper, duper happy. Yay! Yay! Because a lot of them are related to how much garbage we're producing, how much um, the ocean may not be doomed after all. Um, they've discovered uh, multiple coral reefs. Um, off of many coasts, um, two in Australia that are additional. And um, some of the research that they found behind this um, have projected that some of this marine life could be taking a turn for the better if we continue to um, you know, monitor them and, and observe them and study them the way they are. So that's a 30-year cool. outlook. So that was positive. Um, most of that research came out of Australia and some of those places where have heavier reef populations. And if you've been, if you watch nature in the news, you kind of hear, uh, you know, bleaching of the corals and things like that from, uh, different chemicals and things that get into the water and you hear that they're doomed. And for temperature rising and temperature That's the rising. Biggest one. So most, okay. So like a reef, just so people know a reef, if it changes, in temperature by one degree, it can kill off the entire reef. So the, the coral reef and the fish that live there, they are super adapted to living in a very specific environment, which makes them very, very vulnerable. So like a one to two degree difference is, is detrimental to them, either higher or lower. Whereas like fish that live in the lake, they can deal with 30 degree difference and be totally fine, which that's why you know, when you have those specialists, those are the ones that are always affected by any kind of change because they can't handle it. Mm -hmm. So that, see, awesome. So that's a win for the world. Yay. Um, we had mentioned our planet got a second to breathe. Trash became high fashion. So I was like, what? Mm -hmm. So I had to look like. into this a little more. So um, there were some like high end, uh, there's this place called Ruthie's. It's a, like a merchandise, like, textile i don't know what to call it because i don't do these things i don't it's like, a, like a bag so they made a recycled like fashion bag out of uh -huh. recycled ocean plastic oh. and like they're making bank off this thing like people love it like wow. it's it's wild cool so then fun fact if you're looking for a new mask um there's dive shops that are using recycled plastic to create masks <sighs> there you and go proceeds go to Cleaning, cleaning up, up the, the ocean. ocean. So this is one of my favorite ones too, because um, my little sister is a is a buyer of thrift shop clothes. So I actually like when I saw this, I sent this right to her. So there's a new market for old clothes. So what's happening is these companies like uh, Gap, Banana Republic, are buying back their old clothes because they're selling for so much. So they're giving people store credit for these Whoa. clothes. And then they can go back into the store and like buy whatever they want. And then they're reselling the stuff for like super high prices because people want like the old trendy stuff. That's probably wow. smart because they're so many like clothing shops are behind. Like they can't get things in stock. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, what? Like that stuff you pick up at a thrift shop, you're not going to be able to do it no more. Right. <laughs> so, but the best part about that is, is 
they're not creating a bunch of new stuff and just throwing it out. They're reusing. Yeah, they're reusing it. it. Yeah. So, so you you go Gap, you go Banana Republic. Right? Good for you. <laughs> Give them a round of applause. <laughs> so, um, okay. oh, this was the most impressive one that I think. So, um, developers with this tech startup company called Carbos, they identified a bacterial enzyme that breaks down plastic. Wow. So um, the way plastic is recycled is you can recycle it a few times before it starts to break down. So what this enzyme does is it eats like the outer layer of it. It doesn't completely break it down, but it allows it to be recycled more. Oh. So like, I think it's like three or four times you can recycle plastic. And then by that time it's already, it starts to break down and it's useless. So we're not really doing the work. It's this enzyme that's able to break it down cool. and kind Interesting. of save the world a little bit. Yes. So, which I thought was fascinating because I'd seen that pop up in the news a couple of times. I just wasn't sure how the process worked. Right. Um, a lot of people are doing home makeover things. Melissa. Um. <laughs> Mine was not a home makeover. My ceiling <laughs> fell in. <laughs> so... Not only are they doing like home makeovers, but they're doing like, you know, with the exception of paint and things, they're basically a lot of people, what they'd seen were, were reusing things that they had in their home Yeah. because obviously money might've been tight or they needed to redo it. But what they were doing was reusing some of the things in their home um, and kind of giving it a, like a do over with already used material, which was awesome. Nice. People's diets have changed, which I thought was weird because why Melissa? Because your gut is important. Well, that's why. But also because <laughs> people people were a little bit skittish to eat out for a while. Yeah. So yeah. more people are learning to cook at home. More people that had never cooked at home before who just relied on eating out all the time. They're also, um, you know, buying more groceries, doing more things, not eating out as much. So the general health has slightly increased That's so interesting so i thought that do was you think amazing. people are still doing that like um i think we're starting to transition away from that a little bit but uh um i don't think i mean once i'm telling you once people see how, how much money you can save by just eating at home um by making the same things or similar things obviously you're not going to get the same blooming onion at home that you're going to get at outback but yes, you can get real close. <laughs> they got that secret recipe in that sauce. It's so good. It's that sauce. You can make that sauce. <laughs> but anyway, so the Melissa, only thing you cannot replicate are Arby's. <laughs> <laughs> she has said that for like ten <laughs> weeks in a row now. <laughs> Everything else you can make. So w once you realize you can cut the price in half, uh, you, you're you're like, all right, well, this is a game changer here, and it just takes time after mm -hmm. that. Um. One thing that I thought was fascinating is beavers are having a huge impact in Britain. So they're an introduced species to that area. So what happened is, is when they introduced them, their goal was to um, positively affect the local environment. Obviously, I'm not telling anyone to introduce an invasive species to an area, but this is one case where it worked. Hmm. So what they did... Um, by cutting down trees, building dams, they have helped limit the effect of localized flooding. Oh, so they have been able to reduce the flooding by these dams and things. Um, 
And they've built habitat for other creatures that live there too. So that's still very early on. We could see some later effects that might not be so good. But I think, okay, so when it comes to introduced species, something like that makes more sense. A beaver can only have one, maybe two babies, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then it takes a while for them to be able to reproduce, probably two years. Like, that's so much easier to control. Like, if it gets out of control, you can control the population. Whereas if you're introducing, like... An insect. Honeysuckle. Yeah. Or, yeah. That every bird eats every berry and then poops it all over the world. Like, (laughs) that gets out of control real quick. Yeah. Plants plants and insects, obviously, you know, or anything that any insect or animal that flies is obviously much, much more detrimental um, to the habitat. But that was a great observation, Melissa. I didn't even think about that, about how much... Not that it's easy, but it would be easier to control. Yeah. That they can't travel that far. They can't re- reproduce quickly. They are, I mean, they're still technically considered like a, like a trap animal. So people trap yeah. them here in Ohio and you can sell their pelts um, for a lot and stuff like that. So the, yeah, it, I feel like a, a mammal would be way easier to control than an insect or a plant. Right. Awesome. So they have done some, there's been a lot of research going on this year with um, habitats, animals, plants, ecosystems. People want to see how these animals and ecosystems are adapting to these lower amounts of CO2 and whatever. Whatever. I didn't mean to say whatever. Whatever Whatever it is. Um, But so they did a a research study um, in... Japan that shows whales are helping to fight against climate change. And you're like, Yay, what? Whales. How? So a single whale captures more CO2 in its lifetime than a thousand trees. What? Yeah. Wow. So, so I just need a pet whale. Right. Whales support the growth <laughs> of photoplankton, <laughs> which store huge amounts of carbon. Makes sense. So I was like, yeah, mind blown. Fascinating. Um, farmers are using, this was my, probably my happiest thing. Cause I love bugs. Actually, I'm, I'm starting to love bugs more. That's, that's what it is. Cause I'm starting to look at them more. Yeah. Um, <laughs> farmers are using ducks instead of pesticides. Ducks. Yeah. So to eat the small, like weeds and grass and, and keep, um, like insects and things away because if you have less weeds and things like that, there's less places for them to hide and things. So this is obviously, uh, this is going on in France and Japan. Ducks are used as a natural form of pest control. Um, they circle the rice paddies and can eat. So they're eating the vegetation as well as the insects. Okay. That makes more sense. You were thinking of like, I'm thinking like a duck walking through a cornfield. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I'm like, Huh? <laughs> so, so they s- target the ones that are infesting those crops. So if you had a crop, I mean, I guess cranberry would work too. No, yeah. they don't flood those fields till the end, right? Yeah, they don't do that till the end. I don't know. Any aquatic type. Cool. Vegetation would work. Yeah. Here's another good one. Dogs are sniffing out diseases and invasive species. And I sent this to you guys and it excited you both because... Cheryl's a dog lover. I love dogs. <laughs> so dogs can do anything. They really can. So uh, obviously, a lot of these, a lot 
a lot of the country that's, you know, forwarding most of these things is Asia. But the first thing that it was done on, and when I, the reason I kind of fell into that, the dog thing was because I was like, oh, that's right. They have the, um, the, the dogs that can smell an invasive species. Like, well, how did that happen? It was actually a few Asian countries that were using dogs to sniff out diseases on citrus crops. So they were using the dogs, which you can train a dog to smell out just about anything. They have exceptional sense of smell. And so they basically are finding the citrus crops that are contaminated. They're eliminating those so they can't spread to other ones and kill the tree. Um, so basically, they're kind of almost like a cancer. They're trying to catch it before it gets too bad. And then the dog sniff it out, wipe it out. Awesome. And then we adopted that here in America. And obviously, you guys know dogs have been used for, you know, sniffing out drugs for cops and things like that. Mm -hmm. But we use it to hopefully sniff out that spotted lanternfly and other future invasive species and can help to combat those. What? You, you're right. Who, who just said it? What can't dogs do? Was that you, Cheryl? What's that? You, did you just say, what can't dogs do? Or is that you, Melissa? Melissa. They are just exceptional. But I agree. Dogs <laughs> can do everything. Cheryl's like, they make me happy, and that's all I need. <laughs> they make you happy. They're fluffy. They are cute. And they have noses that can, like, save the world. Right. Yeah. I'm, my dog can smell food anywhere. I got to teach her to smell something good. Like, <laughs> find truffle or find morels or find something good. Ginseng. Make, make me rich. There you go. Make me rich, pup. Um, and then this was another one um, that kind of caught me off guard and blew my mind a little bit. So coral reefs are keeping ocean ecosystems alive, which we already knew. Um, they s support a huge amount of marine life, and they protect um, some beach areas from, like, extremely strong waves and things like that. But... I didn't realize how much they contributed to the global economy. When you hear this number, you're going to be, f I'm just flabbergasted. $172 billion a year Whoa. to the global economy. Why wouldn't we put more effort into protecting these things? Right. Like, <laughs> are you scratching your head because like, you know, like. <laughs> just, they're so pretty. The sea life <laughs> that the coral reefs support they can filled up f filled i'm sorry feed upwards of a billion people mm -hmm. like wow. there's seven billion people on the earth it's like the highest diversity that, i'm pretty sure that's like, one seventh of our population can be are 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 currently being fed because of coral reefs like why are we not like hold up yeah like, like this is happening we need we to. need to do this now like how much more science do we have to cram in there <laughs> to make you see? Um, science doesn't fix it. And then, obviously, Melissa had mentioned about the warming waters leading to the bleaching of 90% of Australia's Great Barrier Reef. So, And I know that, that Australia, their seafood industry is massive So, because they're surrounded by it. Mm. So there's been tons of great things that have happened um, throughout this year. Um, we also had a few other really cool things happen. Um, the earth has kind of, it's, it's a part of our lives as naturalists here. And we often, you know, kind of think of it as a, 
I think of it. I can't speak for everyone. I, it's a living, breathing thing mm-hmm. to me and yes. to you guys, mm-hmm. obviously now, but I didn't want to put words in your mouth. And it's, it's a part of what we do uh, here at the park is to conserve and protect and educate people on why it's important to protect these things. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've obviously another really great thing. We had, I talked earlier about a lot more people um, going out, being outside and being active, but Ohio has had something um, pretty impressive. And that's the amount of deer that were taken this year. Um, so before gun season even started, there had been over 70,000 deer checked in from just archery season, which crushed their previous record of like, I was going to say, wasn't that like the total deer taken last year? Yeah. Like it beat the total deer last year. So obviously people, you know, more time one is what they had. And two, sorry. And two is, you know, they're, they're like, okay. So some people are getting more back into that. Like Melissa does in her daily life pre COVID is find your own food, get your own food, grow your own food type deal. Funny Um, story. We haven't gotten deer this year. (laughs) (laughs) We are not one of those 70,000. We have not done that yet. So I don't I didn't, the number obviously will still continue to grow for, for gun season too, but I imagine it will climb steadily, which is wildly impressive. Um, fishing industry is massive this year. I think they had more, I get the, I don't have the exact number, but I, I could pull it. But, um, because I'm in that water, that boat grant, um, for Ohio department of watercraft gosh why am i having such a brain fart right now (laughs) um but uh they have they've been more registered boats um than like the last two years combined this year and we are one of those states that not only um registers motorized boats but in ohio you have to motorize not motorize register man my words are all mixed up today register your kayaks and canoes and things too so that doubled this year doubled like That, that's people ex- are trying to find stuff to do outside <laughs> that's I mean, exciting wow. because like that's what we do like we want people to go outside we want people to do it themselves and now that's happening it was kind of forced i hope it stays yeah me too like it was forced like, but it was worth it yeah like i hope it's not just like a oh we had to do this this year because of covid and the next year like everything just gets tossed and yeah. whatever well and i think you 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 start to appreciate you know oh this outside time has been beneficial not only to me but my children and my family and people around me. So, yeah. so yeah. Um, has there been anything that you guys have noticed other than the? Th- I mean, I stole all of our good stuff, so <laughs> <laughs> I really did. Has there been anything that you guys have noticed, whether it's the earth or in the community or anything that has changed, and you think is awesome? Well, I've seen so many more people in the parks. Yeah. Like, I remember when shutdown first happened and like in the wintertime, you see nobody. I mean, there's <laughs> nobody. maybe like two cars at our busiest parks. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just remember pulling in. It had to have been like the first week of April and the parking lots were full. And I mean, parking lots were full at parks like that are entrances that aren't even really on the maps that I like to go to. Yeah. And I'm like. Why is this full? <laughs> Which is fantastic, but when you're used to having a park to yourself, it was really <laughs> <You're> like, <"Hey, laughs> right. 
You're like, oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, there's so many more people are in the parks and continue to use the parks. That's what I like to see is yeah. I, I hope that a lot of this stuff, like I said earlier, isn't just because of COVID. Like I hope people actually take a lot of this to heart and make it part of their routine and not relying on other things for entertainment. I mean, you can go outside for free. Right. Yeah. And that's the one thing I think that people forget is you can still enjoy yourself and have a great time. I mean, obviously there are times where like, man, we got to do something else other than this and you need a little change up. But mm-hmm. yeah, I've, I mean, I did this all before, so <laughs> it wasn't a big change for me. I did some things. Right. Was there anything, Cheryl, that you've noticed? Yeah. Well, like Melissa said, the people at the parks is a big, big one. Yeah. That's our, that's our goal. Yeah. That's mission. Right. All right, so now it is time for our. I got to re-hit that. News article. All right, so this one I was excited about because I got a bug in here. It's been a while since I've done bugs. So newly discovered fungi turns flies into zombies to devour them from the inside out. So weird. weird. It is. <laughs> um, so there was two newly discovered species of fungi. What happens is, is it kind of works like the fungus is basically eating the bug from the inside out, as mentioned in the head of the article. But what it does is it drops spores as the fly is flying from one thing to another. So if there's a oh. piece of food or if it dropped on my arm and another fly landed there, the spores would get picked up by the fly. That's how they're able to successfully live. Oh, okay. So this, as the spores are getting dropped continuously, what's happening is, is they're spreading themselves. And then as it's eating itself, it not only, um, they not only get past like quickly, but they can overwinter. So the cell structure of this fungi or the spore it's not a fungi yet at the spore point, but it protects it and is able to make it like over winter and things like that. So they're able to make it to the next cycle. What's happening is the only problem with it is, is it's starting to deplete the fly population. Oh. Um, and now they're having to worry about, um, you know, losing a few species of flies. This is not in America, by the way, but it could be one thing that did come to America in terms of an invasive species. This is in Denmark. Um, not because of, but because they can lie dormant, it could wind up getting on, a fly could wind up getting in shipping material and getting shipped over here, or the spores could wind up getting on something and getting shipped here. Mm -hmm. So it's also something to be conscious of and aware of, not to take light away from all the positive things that have happened in 2020, (laughs) but some of the things could definitely be done differently um, to combat this. But a zombie fly would be interesting to see because they're still feeding. That was the weird part for me is like the flies are still feeding and doing things because that's a part of spreading the spores. Yeah. But it's able to so kind of like a horror story right? walking yeah, flies on me. And I had mentioned before about how gross flies true in the previous episode, I remember it very distinctly how gross flies truly are. Mm-hmm. It was the poop episode. <laughs> <laughs> so they can definitely uh, spread this spore very quickly um in the fungus so yeah all right so zombie fungus 
Good yes. Honest. <laughs> all right, everybody. So that's all we have for this episode. So I hope everybody has a good day and enjoy yourselves and enjoy the episode. Bye.